I, I had this moment where I was like, oh man, there isn't anyone to speak for week three. So I did this thing where I was like, let's have a look at the verse in the song, um, How Deep Is Your Love by Calvin Harris, because we're doing the gospel according to Calvin Harris. Let's have a look at the verse. And when I have a look at the verse, I'm going to know exactly who it is I need to holler and just go, hey, I need you to do this, this talk because it's going to be banging. And um, I looked at the verse and I was like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I just love this verse. I want to do this verse. I want to do this verse. I was sitting in Nero's. Um, uh, Eden was fast asleep. And I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I don't want to give this one away. I want to do this one. So um, the verse that we're looking at today, no, not from the scriptures, um, but from uh, the great psalmist, Mr. Calvin Harris, is open up my eyes and tell me who I am. Let me in on all your secrets. No inhibition, no sin. And then he goes to the chorus. How deep is your love? And as I read that, I was like, oh, oh my gosh. It was just alive, like Nero's. It was like, oh man, I've never been on crack cocaine, but I'm pretty sure it was close to that kind of a feeling. It was just like my, my world just opened up before me. So open up my eyes. So when we look at just this verse, I'm going to flow through it and then we're going to look at the different kind of scriptures, different kind of angles from God's word, God's word not his words. Um, open up my eyes, tell me who I am, let me in on all your secrets, no inhibition, no sin. So ultimately speaking, that is pretty much in a verse, a picture of what the salvation experience is. There becomes this moment when your eyes are open. And your eyes are opened, not to who you are, because that's who you, what you ask next, because your whole world changes so much that you need to ask to be told who you are. Because who you thought you were and everything you'd ever known before becomes completely irrelevant in one moment, because your eyes are opened. Your eyes are opened, and when you see Jesus for who he is, it asks questions of everything. And it asks you to reevaluate everything you've ever put your trust in before, it asks you to reevaluate who you are in the universe. You are no longer the center of your universe. Someone else is because you see who he is and that's his rightful place. You take a step back. You place him on the throne of your life, something completely foreign because at no other point would you need to surrender that position. You would be on the throne. In this moment, everything changes. So there comes this moment. So in Luke um, chapter 4 verse 16 there's this moment that I just absolutely love so Jesus um, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom like everyone else didn't go to synagogue on that day um, and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And, they, and all spoke well of him. So in that moment, all eyes are fixed on him. He's announced who he is, what his intention is, what he's here to do, and they are just, boom, mind blown. And their whole world is about to change, just as ours changes when we discover who he is. It puts everything 
in a different position. Now, what happens when we, we surrender and we see, and he's opened up our eyes to the truth of who Jesus is, um, what he's come to do, he's come to set captives free. And then that changes how you see yourself. Because in that moment of realizing who he is, you realize you're a captive, that you may not have known you were a captive before. You may not have realized that before. You may have seen, oh, I'm totally free. I can just do whatever I want. And then all of a sudden you realize you're captive to the things that you've been doing that you wanted to do. And you thought they were choices, but now those choices own you. And you're trapped in what the Bible calls sin and the circle and the habit of it. And all of a sudden you see him as this liberator. You change everything. And then you are captive and he's setting you free. He's setting you free. Freedom is something you've never known before. A life and a different set of values to live by. A whole new world, um, in the words of Disney. And um, in that moment, all that comes is you have just one question. Tell me who I am. I don't know who I am anymore. I thought I knew who I was. I thought I knew what I was doing in my life. I thought I knew how everything worked around me. And all of a sudden, Jesus becoming this central focal point changes and shifts all of that. And we are left asking, who am I? Um, once we know who Jesus is, that is the time when we can find out who we are. You cannot find yourself on a holiday to Cancun. You find yourself in Christ. That's where you find your whole identity. That's where you find out everything you were born to do, everything you were destined to do. You find out the very fabric and the nature of why everything exists. Everything is found in him. In him, he is reconciling all things to himself. And he starts to call us to be a part of that journey and that process. He calls us to be a part of reconciling the whole universe back to God. He calls us to be a part of the redemptive process of bringing and restoring people's lives, society, community. He calls us to be all these different types of things. But you don't find that because what you find outside of Christ is everything's there to serve you and your purpose and your plan. And you find out you're about something so much bigger. And so often we go, I'm going away for a couple of weeks and I'm going to go find myself. And what you're going to find out is you're an onion and you peel away all the skins. There's nothing there. Yeah. That's what you find out. But when you find out who Jesus is, all of a sudden you find out your whole purpose for your being and what it is that God's called you to do. So when you find out who he is through seeing who he is through that revelation that God brings to us, you then start to discover who you are for the first time. It doesn't matter how you've lived your life and how long you've been alive. The moment you find Christ, you discover who you are. And then when that happens, it begs up all new sets of questions. Because so often when we look at, um, at Christianity and when we look at religion, so often we're focused on it being like this, this um, self-help sort of thing. I remember sitting in a church office meeting once and one of the guys there was like, oh, I'm listening to that, but like, don't you, don't you want to give them like, you know, five steps to becoming a better person or something? You know, people dig that stuff. And the guy was like, no, no, I don't. I want to give them the gospel. <laughs> I don't want to give them five steps to make them better. I want, I want to give them Jesus. I want to give them eternal life. And I remember sitting there and I, I was still in shock that he said, don't you want to give them five, stop, five points to being a better person? I was just, I, 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 I was almost like, I was in cardiac arrest. But this, this guy there, he had the wisdom to just go like, no, that, that's, that's not why we exist. We don't exist as a church just to make everything nice. Like Jesus is offensive in so many ways. But ultimately, what we come together for is to see his purposes fulfilled. And his purpose 
is that mankind would be radically changed, that would be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. That Jesus has told us how he wants us to live, but he realizes we can't achieve it. So he died on a cross that we can be forgiven of our sins. And then through his death and his resurrection, he's the first born son. From, and from him, we have hope that if he's the firstborn risen from the dead, we will be like him and we will be resurrected and we will live lives full of life, alive, not like we are now, truly alive. And that is what we place our hope in and that's what we care about. So we find out who he is. It asks questions of us to find out who we are. And then we are like, oh God, just let me in on all your secrets. Let me in on all your secrets. So when we look at um, Colossians, it talks about in, um, in, in chapter one, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Now revealed to his, his saints. So um, Paul talks about um, how God has called him to share and make God fully known. And the way he describes it, he says, this is a mystery that's been hidden for ages and for generations. But now in this moment, it's being revealed. God is going to start to let us in on all his secrets that he wants us to be a part of, um, that he's now revealing to his saints. And he, he, he wants us to know the gospel. He wants us to know that more than anything else. And the reason for that, why it's such a key thing, is we sometimes think like you get to this point as a Christian where you come, you encounter the gospel, and then you move past it. People used to ask Billy Graham, oh, Billy, when are you going to preach something else? He was like, well, what else is there to preach? It's, it's the gospel. That's all there is. It's like people want to go, oh, I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper than, you want to go, what? What? Like for thousands of years, all of the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus and the gospel. You want to go deeper than what everything in the universe was aligned for, <laughs> for Jesus to come back and restore all things. You want to go deeper. Paul talks about the unfathomable riches we have in Christ. They're unfathomable and you want to go deeper. Like we can't even fathom what he's given us and you want to go deep. Like, Mate, maybe I'd, I know, you just, stop it, stupid. The gospel is where it's at. Because as we see what Jesus achieved, we see who he is, we see who we are for the first time. And then we start to find out his secrets because the gospel is unfathomable. It, the riches we receive from that one moment of Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. And that moment where he is risen from the dead, like from that moment, what is going to happen for those who put their trust in Jesus? It's mind-blowing. It's beyond mind-blowing. It's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I don't know if you've, if you've read the, the New Testament. The things that it says that God is going to do, that he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. In the Greek, obliterate. He's going to obliterate tears. It just doesn't sound as good in English. Like, it doesn't sound very... We want a comforting picture of a God who's sitting there wiping away tears. No, he's obliterated them. There's no more tears to cry. That's mind-blowing that there's going to be people that are going to live that aren't going to know that heartbreak and that sadness. They're going to know joy and the joy isn't going to be fading. And, and, and there's going to be people that are going to, and we're going to live in a world, you and I, those who in Christ, we're going to live what it is to, to not see things fade away, mm-hmm. to consistently for that to be just what it should be, constantly new. That all the death, the loss, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death, all these things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new. And in the Greek, it's continuously new. That's unfathomable. I can't get my head around it because all I've known is beginning and end. I've seen things be beautiful for a while and then crumble as sin gets its way in it. I've seen relationships be beautiful and then corrupted as my hands have touched them. I've seen 
I've seen friendships go wrong as I've been selfish. I've seen things that I thought would be great forever where we'd be friends forever and, and it's gone. I've seen things that I wanted to build up just crumble and fall. I've, I've seen it where I've finally got my hands and I think, oh, finally my finances are sorted and then they crumble away again. And you're like, oh God, I've got to go all through that again. And it's just this up and down, this constant pain, this suffering, those times where you have your body has aches and pains that are there. We have these sicknesses that are there. And he's saying, no more, just gone. And that is what he's promising us. And not only that, he asks and invites us. We find out who we are when he says that you are my children. We read the prodigal son and we find out, oh, I'm the younger brother who's been an idiot and I'm forgiven. Oh no, I've become the older brother, I've become a jerk. Oh, I'm forgiven. Oh, I get to become the father. That's who he's destined me to be. I get to be the father of the story that runs and hugs people and lavishes love on them and brings healing into their lives and celebrates other people, not just celebrating myself. All these wonderful, wonderful plans he has for us. But the only way that any of that is possible is when we come to the point of no inhibition, no sin. No inhibition, no sin. So inhibition... A feeling that makes one self-conscious and unable to act in a relaxed and natural way. I'm going to say that that is for all of us, really. Because the reason I'm going to say it is because the way that you and I, I act when we even think we're natural isn't the way that God intended mankind to be in the first place anyway. And so what God wants to do is he wants to remove that we can be free to be who that we are, who that he's called us to be. Not people filled with selfish desires. And we may not think we're selfish, but we feed ourselves every day. We don't feed the rest of London. We don't go, today I'm going to not have my lunch and I'm going to feed someone else because I can't afford to pay for us both. Uh, we don't do that. We always feed ourselves. We always look after ourselves. We know what's happening elsewhere. All of us are selfish. And even with the people we love, we still prioritise ourselves. Oh man, I can't deal with that, that kid anymore. I can't deal with that baby anymore. Oh gosh, that... My, 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 my boyfriend, my husband, my, my girlfriend, my, my wife, my fiance. Oh, I just can't deal with them anymore. And we put ourselves ahead of them. And here he's saying, here what the definition is saying is a feeling that makes oneself conscious and unable to act in a relaxed and natural way. I'm saying that we are never able to act in a relaxed and natural way because we've never known what it is to be relaxed and natural. Jesus is the Sabbath rest. He is Lord of the Sabbath and he wants us to rest in him and to trust in him. He says, do not worry. Do not be anxious for anything. Put your trust in him because he has got us. He's the one we need to put our trust in. Um, and it also goes on to say other, other words um, associated with, so like um, sh- uh, shyness, um, self-conscious reserve, um, difference, um, bashfulness, coyfulness, embarrassment, unease, wariness, reluctance, discomfort, hesitance, hesitancy, apprehension, nerves, nervousness, insecurity, all those things he wants to just strip away. Um, the action of inhibiting a process, that there is something that is in our way. No inhibition, no sin. And then what that leads to is the question of how deep is your love? Um, God's end goal of the gospel is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8 verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That Christ in his sacrifice on the cross, he takes our place. That Not only did he find his death there, we all deserve death and we found our death in him and we find our newness of life in his resurrection and that is what he wants to bring he doesn't want us to be beating ourselves up anymore he doesn't want us to be weighed back by by yesterday's grief yesterday's pain 
yesterday's guilt just carrying on, banging on that drum constantly. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No inhibition, no sin. And then what there is for the rest of, of, of our lives, that the plan that he lays out for us is if we look in um, first, first John um, chapter 4, um, it starts to talk about kind of God's love. Um, and in six, verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, a love is perfected with us so that we may have um, confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. As he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. That's what John says. So when we look at um, this, this song, and when we look at the great psalmist Calvin Harrison and the gospel that he's dropped in, in this particular verse of the song, How Deep Is Your Love? What we have to embrace, what I want to encourage us to embrace, we have to as Christians. It's non-negotiable. Otherwise, you, we miss the whole point of everything. Is that we need to open up our eyes afresh to see who Jesus is, to see what he's achieved in his resurrection. We need to allow what we receive and what we experience of him on the cross to tell us who we are. Not assume we know who we are. Allow what he has done to tell us who we are. And from there, he will let us in on all his secrets. And we can stand before God and with one another with no inhibition, no sin. How deep is your love? Well, the scriptures say there is neither height, nor depth, nor width, nor breadth that can separate us from the love of God. His love is all encompassing. His love goes beyond space and time. It goes beyond anything we've ever known. And it continues to stretch and it's unwavering and it cannot be broken. And it's not based on the conditions of what you do or what you don't do. His love is consistent. There is nothing more consistent than God in his nature and his love for us. And he wants that love to transform us from the inside out. That we are not to live in fear because fear is associated with punishment. And Christ, he was wounded for our transgressions. Bruce Ryan, what is? It was all taken upon him. The punishment has been laid out. All we have is the freedom he gives us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Father, we come today and we embrace your gospel afresh. Spirit of God, would you work within us? May we see who you are, Lord Jesus, again. May we encounter your grace, your love, your forgiveness and your mercy. May it transform us from the inside out. And as you open our eyes to who you are, tell us who we are. Reveal to us your secrets, the wonders of your gospel. Oh God, would you do that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord? Come and move in us, change us, not just for our own sake, but for those around us, Lord. Open up our eyes to see you, 
Tell us who we are. Let us in on your secrets, the mission you have for us, the plans you have for us. No inhibition, no sin. We are guilt-free. There is no condemnation of those in Christ. We may live completely free and whole and comfortable in our own skin, accepted and loved by you. And may us in that state reach and touch and change a world around us full of fear and hurt. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.